Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello, everyone. It's good to see you all here. Hello to those also who are watching or listening online. Glad we can all be together in this way and glad that we can turn to John chapter 21, the last chapter in the Gospel of John. I'm always fascinated to learn how an actor almost played the role made famous by another actor so that now, years later, we can't possibly imagine that first actor playing that role because the second actor was so perfect for that part. My favorite example is Tom Selleck and his mustache almost playing the role of Indiana Jones. Now, I like Tom Selleck. Long live the original Magnum P.I. But I can't imagine anyone but Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones. And speaking of Harrison Ford, did you know that initially Al Pacino was targeted to play Han Solo? Thankfully, that was an offer he could refuse. And then this example from Lonesome Dove, the greatest Western and greatest miniseries of all time. Robert Duvall was originally cast to play Captain Woodrow Call, but then eventually switched over to play Augustus McRae, which is exactly how God intended it to be. (laughs) And if you do not know who these two characters are, you need to repent (laughs) and watch Lonesome Dove or find another church. It is a test of fellowship with me. Today, we're going to focus on a short scene at the end of the Gospel of John in chapter 21 that encourages us to accept the role we've been given to play in God's story and to play it like no one else can. It's that scene where Jesus and Peter are walking together along the beach. And Jesus asks Peter three times, one for each of his denials, do you love me? And Peter responds three times, I love you. Of course I love you. You know I love you. So then Jesus gives Peter a job or a mission as a way of restoring him after his denials. Feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, feed my lambs. And then Jesus tells Peter, that someday he's going to glorify God by dying as a martyr. And then in verse 20, Peter looks back and sees the disciple whom Jesus loved, also known as the beloved disciple, following them as they're walking along. 
And John takes a moment to remind us of this beloved disciple. He's the one who first appeared back in chapter 13 when Jesus predicted Judas's betrayal. It's the first time the beloved disciple shows up in the gospel of John. But from that point on, he appears in some of the most significant scenes in the gospel. And the beloved disciple always appears with one notable exception alongside Peter. One way of interpreting their relationship is as friendly rivals. It's back in chapter 13. It's the beloved disciple, not Peter, who occupies the most prominent place at the table next to Jesus, so that all Peter can do is motion for the beloved disciple to ask Jesus who's going to betray him because Peter is not close enough to ask Jesus himself. And then they show up again together in John chapter 20 when they're running toward the tomb after Mary Magdalene's report that someone has moved Jesus's body. They're both running to the tomb and the beloved disciple gets there first because he's faster than Peter. Maybe because he's younger. He gets there first, but he doesn't go in. He waits and defers to Peter who, when he gets there, goes straight in. And then at the beginning of John chapter 21, Peter and the beloved disciple are together again, this time fishing in a boat and It's the beloved disciple, not Peter, who recognizes the risen Lord on the shore, prompting Peter to jump into the water and start swimming, maybe because he knows how fast the beloved disciple is on land, and he knows that this is the only way I can ever get to Jesus first. The only time The beloved disciple does not appear alongside Peter is in John chapter 19 when he's standing at the cross with several women, one of them being Jesus' mother Mary. The beloved disciple, not Peter, is the only male disciple present at Jesus' crucifixion. And from the cross, Jesus asks the beloved disciple to look after his mother. In each of these scenes, the beloved disciple is portrayed in a more positive light than Peter. He's faster, he's more faithful, he's more insightful than Peter. Oh yeah, it's also revealed in 21-24 that he wrote the Gospel of John, which maybe also helps explain the positive portrayal. And assuming there is some competitive tension between Peter and the beloved disciple, it is so understandable that when after hearing Jesus give him his mission and tell him he's going to die as a martyr, and then Peter looks over his shoulder and sees the beloved disciple behind him, he asks Jesus in verse 21, Lord, what about him? Lord, what about him? 
This is one of the great, if lesser known, Peter being Peter moments. After his restoration, and in response to Jesus' somewhat solemn prediction about the way he's going to die, Peter's response is to look back and ask about the fate of his friendly rival who always seems to be a step ahead of him, even when he's walking behind him. Lord, what about him? How's he going to die? What about him? Is he going to live longer than I do? What about him? Which of us is going to go down in history as your greatest disciple? Do you have a rival? Not an enemy, not an adversary, but a friendly rival. Could be a sibling, a lifelong friend, a co-worker. Do you have someone in your life that, mm, they always seem to be a step ahead of you? Or someone that you have to work hard to stay one step ahead of? If you have a rival, someone against whom you're always competing, someone against whom you're always comparing yourself, then you understand Peter's question. What about him? What about her? I, I know what's going to happen to me, but what about, what about my rival? If you can only evaluate your performance relative to someone else, am I doing better than him? Am I farther ahead than her? Then you understand Peter's question. If when you received your letter of acceptance, your first thought was hooray, and then your second thought was, I wonder if he got in too. I wonder how big her scholarship is. Then you understand Peter's question. And you also need to hear Jesus' response in verse 22 which reveals one of the secrets of living a joy-filled, purposeful, faithful life. Jesus answered him saying, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. This is pure gold from Jesus. He essentially tells Peter, it's none of your business what happens to him. Don't concern yourself with what role he's going to play in the story. Peter, you focus on your role. Stay in your lane, Peter, because you're not competing with him. You're not competing with her. You're following me. I've learned over the years it's not wise or healthy for me to listen to a lot of other preachers, although I have access to countless sermons online. And it not, it's not just because all of their sermons are too long. It's, <laughs> it's because it is so easy to fall into the comparison trap. At least it is for me. So I can listen to another preacher and I think, oh, I'm better than that preacher. And that can lull me into 
complacency. Or I can listen to another preacher and think, that preacher is so much better than I am, and now I'm depressed and questioning my purpose in life. And some of this is specific to my personality. But either way, when I am looking sideways at other preachers and either feeling superior or inferior, Jesus is still ahead of me saying, what is that to you? So you've pulled ahead. You're doing better than him or her. That doesn't mean you can relax now. I still have work for you to do. You follow me. What is that to you? Don't feel sorry for yourself because you've fallen behind. I'm not calling you to be better than him or her. I'm calling you to be the best version of yourself, and that comes from following and being faithful to me, not from chasing down your rivals. We all have a path to walk in life, unique to us. We all have a unique role to play in God's story. And the path we walk and the role we play, they are determined by a unique combination of our gifts and strengths and talents and skills and experiences and failures. And one of the secrets to living a joy-filled, purposeful, faithful life is knowing what is your path to walk and knowing what is your role to play. And one of the quickest and easiest ways to lose your joy, to question your purpose, to get stuck in self-doubt, is to let yourself get distracted and diverted from your path because you're focusing so much on what others are doing and now you're obsessing with the question, what about him? What about her? Teddy Roosevelt got it right when he said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy because there will always be someone who's bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, more successful, more well-known than you are. There will always be someone who has more money or more power or more influence or better stories or less public failures. There will always be someone who it seems is one step ahead of you. And none of this means we can't learn from or be inspired by others. Nor does it mean we shouldn't work harder and smarter or always do our best. What it does mean, though, is that we're not primarily competing against our rivals. We're not competing against one another. We're competing against ourselves and working to be a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday. We're not competing with our rivals. We're not competing with one another. We're following Jesus, who has given us a unique and specific role to play in his story. And so, may God give you the clarity 
to see and know what is yours to do. And may you follow the path Jesus lays out before you. Trusting that you are being given a role to play that no one else in the world can play and refusing to let yourself be distracted by the role someone else is playing. Or as Jesus says, what is that to you? What is that to you? You, 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 you. Follow me. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.